I said to myself, come now. I will make a test of pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But again, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad. And of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with my mind how to cheer my body with wine, my mind still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly until I might see what was good for mortals to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forests of growing trees. I bought male and female servants and had servants who were born in my house. I also had great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and of the provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and delights of the flesh, many concubines. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure for my heart found pleasure from all of my toil, and this was my reward from all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had spent in doing it, and again, all was vanity and chasing after the wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, it's a blessing that we can look at the lives and the stories of others and be reminded that we have a choice to choose right or left. We have a choice to choose you. And so we just ask that today we would learn from the life of King Solomon and that whatever lessons that he learned, we would take and seal them in our hearts as well. We pray and ask in Jesus' name, amen. So we have just concluded our last series on the fruit of the Spirit, all right? So we had uh, Pastor Stephen, we had Pastor Todd, we had myself sharing these messages on the fruit of the Spirit. And if you missed any of those, you can definitely go back on adventhope.org and find all of the messages from the past series. And now we begin a new series on the book of Ecclesiastes, which is very practical wisdom. And so King Solomon in his book here in chapter two of Ecclesiastes talks about a very vital lesson that he learned in his life. How many of you have heard the phrase or the word YOLO? <laughs> I'm sure you have. It's been around for a little while, okay? Let me give you some examples of how people use this slang term YOLO. Although she had already maxed out three credit cards to their limit, the crave for adventure drove her to open up a fourth. She smirked to herself as she submitted the application. YOLO, she said. YOLO. 
Or perhaps another example. Are you really going out tonight? I thought your boss said you'd be fired if you didn't have the files ready by tomorrow. Yeah, my boss did say that, but YOLO. YOLO, which means you only live once. You only live once. An expression used by not only youth, but just people in general, as an excuse to do foolish things, says Urban Dictionary. YOLO is a philosophy that excuses such behaviors like self-indulgence by reasoning that because you will eventually die, you might as well enjoy any and every guilty pleasure you can right now. It's an excuse for the bad decisions we make in our lives. And those bad decisions often make our experience here on Earth quite miserable. We forget that our quality of life now is just as important, or very important, rather. It follows the same idea as life is short. Therefore, allow yourself to have the pleasure. Indulge! Now, as logical as this philosophy may seem at times, when practiced, when lived out in the life, it often causes more harm than good. It is a philosophy that prioritizes self and focuses on the human reality of death as a finality, as an endpoint. It is a philosophy that actually doesn't promote life, but lifts up death as the apex of the human experience. The philosophy of YOLO and the practice of self-indulgence run in opposition to the message of the gospel. Now, why are we talking about this? Because according to King Solomon, he tried that. According to scripture, King Solomon was one of the richest men that ever lived. He was the son of King David and Bathsheba, who was not David's wife, but was Uriah's wife. That's another story for another time. And in his transition to becoming king, God appeared to him and asked him what he would like to rule his kingdom. Ask anything. What do you need, Solomon? And so he told the Lord, I would like wisdom and discretion so that I can rule your people wisely. And so God gave his blessing on that request by making him the wisest king that ever lived. And in fact, God was so pleased with what he asked that on top of that, he also granted him great riches. Unfortunately, with all the wisdom Solomon possessed, he still made foolish mistakes throughout his life. Now, that sounds like a very human problem. No matter how wise or knowledgeable you are about something, you still make some rough, bad <laughs> decisions, rather. 
And so Solomon, King Solomon, he comes to the end of his life and he's reflecting on his experience and what he's learned. And he writes it, his experience, through poetic form in the wisdom literature of scripture. And so Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes, is his very pessimistic yet very honest take on the lessons he learned from the decisions he made during his life. And one lesson is about self-indulgence, or as I would call it in the modern terms, YOLO. You only live once. From our uh, text of emphasis, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, 1 through 3 says this, King Solomon speaking, I said to myself, come now, I will make a test of pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But again, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad and of pleasure. What use is it? I searched with my mind how to cheer my body with wine, my mind still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly until I might see what was good for mortals to do under heaven during the few days of their life. King Solomon goes on this experimental journey of doing and trying uh, everything that human beings believe to bring some type of pleasure. Whatever he wanted to do, whatever pursuit, whatever experience he wanted to live, whatever adventure he wanted to try, he did it. There was no public announcement of this experiment. He had said it in his heart or to himself. And so through the way that King Solomon began to live his life, he communicated this philosophy of YOLO through the practice of self-indulgence. His main goal was to discover what brings pleasure to human beings in the few days of their life. So verse 4 says, I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. In modern day language, it may sound something like this. I invested in real estate. I had business pursuits. I dabbled in architecture and landscaping, a little horticulture. I, I purchased vineyards and produced wine. I, I, I planted orchards. I was a builder. I was a carpenter. Verse 7. I bought male and female servants and had servants who were born in my house. I also had great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. He expands his businesses and he hires more employees. Uh, he, he obtains a farm full of livestock and it continues to grow. Verse 8. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and of the provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and the delights of the flesh and many concubines. He gathered rare works of art and precious gems from around the world. And he indulged himself with women, since this was one of the pleasures that men found delight in. Verse 9, so I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. Whatever my eyes desired, 
I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure. For my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. There were no limits. No experience was off the table. YOLO. Verse 11. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had spent in doing it. And again, all was vanity and chasing after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. When he had reached what some say is the height of the human experience when it comes to money, fame, and pleasure, King Solomon concluded it was vanity and chasing after the wind. Chasing after the wind. I'm sure you've heard of the man Hugh Hefner, the late Hugh Hefner. He was born in Chicago and he was born to somewhat conservative Methodists, Methodist parents, Methodist family. And his mother wanted him to become a missionary. But in 1953, he put out the first Playboy magazine edition. It was a nude Marilyn Monroe, and in the 50s, it sold 50,000 copies. He was known as an advocate of sexual liberation and freedom of expression. And during his life, he was married and remarried. He dated countless women throughout the time of his life. He's, of course, the owner of the Playboy Mansion, if you're not familiar with, no longer, but was. And during his life, he engaged in a great amount and a variety of sexual practices and eventually exhausted his sexual appetite. He died in 2017 from a sepsis infection, and he leaves behind a legacy of the love of sexuality and extravagant living. Interesting. I talked a little bit before in a previous message about Chris Farley, who died at the age of 33 of a drug overdose, and at that time he weighed over 300 pounds. And this is a quote from him, this is what he said. He said, I'm a Catholic, and lust, gluttony, booze, and drugs are most of the things I confess to. I can't help it. I want to be a good Catholic, but I'm a hedonist. I'm a hedonist. Self-indulgence, the pursuit of pleasure, didn't bring long-term happiness. Instead, it brought emptiness. Chasing after the wind. Why? Because you will never catch something that is meant to come and go. Pleasure is meant to be experienced in moments and times of our lives, but it is not a constant state. Joy is the constant that we're truly looking for. Yet, we 
unintentional, unintentionally swap it for pleasure and seek to hold on to something that will always slip through our fingers. We, in a sense, never get full on pleasure. We may get drunk on pleasure, but not full on it. Pleasure in and of itself is not a bad thing. This is not a, not a message about downing pleasure. It's part of us. We desire it, we need it. But pleasure without limits will not bring the lasting fulfillment one desires. It is vanity and chasing after the wind. And so in our moments of self-indulgence, because we're human, in our moments of the unhealthy pursuit of pleasure, does our mentality focus on death rather than life? Is our reasoning for our self-indulgent pursuits more synonymous with the philosophy of YOLO, you only live once, rather than the philosophy of someone who believes in something greater? For the believer, the concept of YOLO cannot be your personal philosophy. Why? YOLO doesn't harmonize with the gospel because YOLO isn't good news. It's not good news. The gospel is good news. YOLO is not good news. Why do you say that? Well, I say that because for the believer, you don't only live once. You don't only live once. According to scripture, every human being lives at least twice. The present life you live, and then if you die in this life, you'll wake at the second coming of Jesus Christ. John 5, 28 and 29 says, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Now let me pause right there, because that verse might have rubbed someone the wrong way. Because sometimes we read these verses and we fear or it brings us discomfort, the part, part about evil and judgment. You know, religious history has done great damage in scaring people into religious practice. Scaring people into religious practice is not good motivation. In fact, it doesn't even work. Scaring people by threatening with hellfire that if they don't get their act together, that's where they'll end up. That is a backwards understanding of the gospel. According to the gospel, we're already condemned. You didn't start here. You started here. You started at the lowest point. We. So in other words, look, our starting point is already death. You can't go lower than that. We can't, we can't get our act together. In our own strength, we cannot. We cannot save ourselves 
from death or that condemnation by our actions. That is precisely why Jesus came. So he could lift you out of there. You already started there. But if Jesus is lifting you out, that's your salvation. To give us another way to provide life in exchange for the death we've already been condemned to. God gave his life so that eternal death would not be a finality for us. He pours out all of, all of heaven, the angels, the Father, Son, the Spirit, they're working on our behalf so you can experience a resurrection of eternal life. Jesus, he does the transformation. He does the work. He does everything in regards to your salvation. What do you do? Believe. Believe. And if that's the case, it is very hard to be lost. God doesn't let things slip through his fingers. God doesn't let people slip through his fingers. We believe and trust by faith that he which began a good work in us will continue it until the day of Jesus Christ. John 10.10 says, I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. That means we didn't have it before. But because of Jesus Christ, we can have life. So no, YOLO doesn't harmonize with the good news. Here's another reason why. The believer could actually live three times. You're like, what, what, hold on. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must have a spiritual rebirth. You must become a new creation in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, if any man or woman be in Christ, they are a new creation. Behold, all things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Galatians 2, 20, I have been crucified, there's a death, with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. God did not create us to live only once. He created us to live forever. When God created humanity, he intended for them to live for eternity with no finality, no end point. It just keeps going. And not only live for eternity, but live for an eternity with him and with the rest of the human family. We have created an existence that is absent of God and has resulted in philosophies that revolve around the concept of ourselves and around death. Because that's the greatest power that we know. But death is not a match for God. He has the key 
to unlock its grasping power. Death is not a finality with God. We should not let our lives revolve around philosophies and practices that promote death for ourselves and for others, really, instead of life. John 14, 6 says this, look, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. John 1, 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. John 10, 10, we heard it before, I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. John 3, 16, you know this one, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Life. So what does it look like to live a life that, uh, to live a life that promotes life? Scripture says, and this is life eternal, that they may know me, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. You have to get connected with the life source. You've got to connect. Does that mean you'll be perfect and, you know, never deal with self-indulgence or an obsession with pleasure? No, that's not what that means. It means that you acknowledge and accept the grace of God to cover your sins, to change you day by day, and to work with you to help you choose what is best for your life. Your pursuit shifts from pursuing that which is vanity, emptiness, self-indulgence, to pursuing him who provides life and provides it more abundantly. Your focus will be redirected. So no, YOLO is not for the believer because God promises life. King Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived. He tried everything under the sun and concluded it was vanity. We don't have to do that experiment. We can simply take a note from his book. I pray it is our desire to live a life full of light, full of truth, full of goodness, full of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering. That's life. And I pray that God would truly make that our reality. Amen.